Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Well, this has been a good worship service. Amen. Amen. Man, the great uh, singing that you have done this morning. Uh, choir. Man, y'all look great up here. Gil, that's a great choir this morning. And Mr. Charles, thank you, man. Thank you so much for leading us this morning and help us, helping us to worship the Lord this morning. That's what it's all about, keeping our eyes fixed on Him. Um, show my age a little bit here, and but I think some of y'all will... Uh, <laughs> Y'all will go along with me on this. Back in 1975, the uh, number one hit, number one best-selling single, 1975, was. Let me see, let me see if y'all. Some of y'all can get this. The 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 duo that sang the song was a a couple of people called the Captain and Tennille. So what was the song that was number one? Love will keep us together. That's right. All right. Some of you ladies probably had a uh, Tony Tennille hairstyle. That was uh, that was the big one. I dated a girl that had a man. That was ugly. But anyways, uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> but it, love will keep us together. 1975. That was the number one number one hit uh, back then. But unfortunately, love didn't keep uh, the captain. His name. His actual real name was Daryl Dragon. Didn't keep the captain and uh, Tennille together. They were married, and uh, actually had they they were married for uh, nearly forty years, and then their marriage fell apart after almost forty years back in twenty fourteen, and uh, uh, different. You know, I, I did a little reading, find out what that was all about, and different reasons why that happened. But it seems that uh, Daryl, the captain, that Daryl just really struggled with relationships and believing that he could really be loved and that that he could give love the way that he needed to and so in 2014 he and Tony Tennille divorced and he died a couple of years later in Prescott Arizona and died as a from what I could find he died as a lonely broken man and uh, just just kind of sad uh, to see that happen if, you know how you look at people and you uh, you see you know, some success in their life and things like that, and you think, well, maybe they went on to live. But a lot of times that success is hiding a lot of stuff going on inside of somebody, and that kind of seems like what was going on with him. But love didn't keep them together. And, uh, you know, the kind of love that the world has is not permanent. It's it's just not permanent. It It, it will not, the love that the world has, will not last forever and it won't keep you together it it's uh, many times the world's kind of love is cheap and it's it's weak it's fake it's kind of the love that says uh, if i love you then you better love me in return and that's the kind of love that the world has and and uh, that's not what we're going to talk about today uh, the, the love that we're going to talk about today is the love of god it's the love that we have sung about. It's the love that we're thinking about this morning. And, and that love, the love that God has for us, is permanent love as opposed to the world's love, which is temporary. The, 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 love that, the love that God has for us will last forever, and it will keep you uh, together with the Lord forever. You think about the love that God has for us, and it's a, it's a giving love. 
As we continue in the Gospel of John, you think about John 3.16, we, you know, we go back to that over and over again. It's, it's kind of the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of the Gospel. And you think about that wonderful verse, and it, so, it tells us that the love of God is a giving love. For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only, only begotten, one-of-a-kind Son. The love of God is a giving love. The love of God is a forgiving love because that verse goes on to say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not, shall not perish. You will be forgiven of your sins. You'll be cleansed of all of your sins. You'll be given new life. And because that love is a life-giving love, it's a living forever love. It's a, it's a giving love. It's a forgiving love. And it's a living forever love, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. And that's the love that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So I ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and let's uh, go, to that, go to that passage in John chapter 13. It's page 900 in your pew Bible. If you need to use a copy of God's Word from the pew rack there, grab that Bible and turn to page 900. And if you need a Bible, you can keep that Bible. Um, but John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Would you stand, please, and let's read these two verses together this morning. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. May God bless the reading of his perfect word this morning. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us now today, Lord, to think clearly and seriously about the love that you have for us and the love that we are to have for one another. So Holy Spirit, you speak to us and teach us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much. Okay, I thought maybe... It I think I muted it. Thanks. All right. So we're thinking about the love of God this morning, and, and you know that's it's kind of a it's kind of a dangerous thing, uh, not a dangerous thing. And we think about the love of God, uh, we can we can kind of we can kind of shift into. Oh, I've heard this before, I've thought about this before, and certainly I've preached a, on the love of God many many times. First sermon that I ever preached back when I was. 18 years old at my first church uh, was on the love of God. And so certainly it's a, it's a subject that we've thought about and talked about a whole lot. But as we continue thinking about keeping our eyes on Jesus, if there's anything that we need to think about and talk about and study together, when you think about Jesus and for all of us to, to work on becoming an expert on Jesus, we've got to think about love. We've got to think about love. When you look at the Gospel of John, there, some form of the word of love is used about 50 times over the course of the Gospel of John. And so that's the, it, it, John's Gospel is definitely the, the Gospel of love. One of the doctrines that John teaches in his gospel, one of the things that he focuses on a lot in his gospel, and that you find and that even in the verses that we're looking at today, is that the church is to be marked by love and unity. The church, us, the people of God, the body of Christ, we are to be marked by love and unity. So as we 
continue thinking about Jesus and fixing our eyes on him and looking to Jesus and trying to understand more about who he is and what he has for our lives, we got to understand that really love is the proof that we belong to Jesus. Love is the proof that we belong to him. Love is the proof that we're walking with Jesus. And we see that as we look at these two verses from John chapter 13. John 13 is a is a strong chapter as you, uh, you know, we continue kind of walking through the life of Jesus. And this, let me tell you where we are now in the life of Jesus. John chapter 13, as you start this chapter, you see Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Man, that was an unbelievable experience, an unbelievable thing, unheard of thing for Jesus to get down on his hands and feet on, and, and kneel down before his disciples and wash their nasty, dirty feet, taken as, as lowly a position as he possibly could. This is something that the lowliest of slaves would do. And, but Jesus humbled himself uh, and did that for his disciples. So you see that. He washed his disciples' feet, and then you move out of that straight into the Last Supper, that last Passover supper that he had with Jesus. So you know we're getting close to the cross. I mean, we're right. We're right here uh, getting close to the cross now. And so we move out of... Uh, the washing his feet, washing the disciples' feet into the Last Supper, the Passover, and then, and then he reveals, he reveals Judas, and talks about that there's going to be one who's going to betray me, and Judas leaves the Last Supper at that moment and goes out and begins this, uh, the the that last uh, uh, last experience of betraying Jesus. So we think about it, and John is even known as the beloved disciple. If you back up into John chapter 13 and look at verse 23, it says, one of his disciples, well, let's back up to 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And look at verse 23. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? uh, You see verse 23, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That is John. John is the beloved disciple. and, And throughout this gospel of the beloved disciple, Jesus emphasized love over and over again, emphasized love, pressed his followers to fully embrace love and made it abundantly clear that if you have made a commitment, if they had made a commitment to follow him, then it was going to change the way that they would explain love. It would change the way that they experienced love. It would change the way that they expressed love. And so that's true for us. That if we've truly given our life to Christ, if we've come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it changes the way we think about love. It's not, uh, the love that we're talking about now is not this shallow, syrupy uh, kind of love that Hollywood have us think about, that the world would have us think about. We're talking about deep, deep, deep abiding love. Even to the Jews, Jesus said to the Jews, the Jews who were opposing him, the Jews that were looking to kill him. Remember we talked about that last week, that there were some that were already, and certainly now in John chapter 13, we're getting very close to that. So there, the plan is coming together. And to the Jews who opposed Jesus, he said point blank to them in John 5.42, he said, you do not have God's love in you. 
It doesn't matter. It, I mean, these are some of the most religious people of the day. But it doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how, how pious you are. It doesn't matter how self-righteous you are. If you have not had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, then the love of God is not in you. Jesus said the love of God is not in you. And the same is true for you and me. If you don't know Jesus, the love of God is not in you. Nearly every reference to the word love in the Gospel of John is that Greek word that most of us know, that Greek word agape. Nearly every reference in John, as I looked through, I looked at uh, every all 50 that I could find, and almost all of them is, is the word agape or some form of the word agape. And that word is talks about the love of God, the agape love of God. It's the love that God has for us. It's the love that He has for us because His very nature is love. God doesn't just show love. God is love. He doesn't just express love. It's who He is. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 just says that. God is love. And that's who God is. He is agape. He is love. It is love that is his love is love that is unearned. It's, it's love that is unmerited. It's love that is unconditional. And it's love that is unbelievable. Amen? That God would love us like that. And show that love to us through Christ. God's love always seeks the benefit of the one of whom it is shown. The one, it seeks the benefit of the person that we're showing that love to. That's what God's love is all about. So that means as Christ followers that we, you and I, are to always seek the benefit of others. To seek the welfare of others. And y'all, this doesn't come naturally to us. This is not something that we just are able to do on our own. Because our, our sin nature constantly screams, I want what I want. What's the first word that a little child, one of the first words that a little child learns is the word mine. It's mine. That's my toy. I, you know, we've got our little grandsons. And yesterday we were, we were down at the uh, pumpkin drop down at the airstrip on 49. I had, all my, I had them out there and they love airplanes and we were having a good time and watching that. But it was so, <laughs> it's just so funny to watch them. And we're about to add another little ankle biter to them in, in, in January and we're going to have four of them. And, and to see their little, <laughs> their sin nature coming out so quickly. That's my toy. Those are my Fruit Loops. That's, that, that's, that's my candy. That's, that's my ball. And, and we just see it. Because, but, but that's you and me too. Man, our, and so for us to seek the welfare of others is to be so willing to go, no, it's not about me. It's about you. It doesn't matter what I get. It's about you. And that's what the love of God does for us. It's always seeking the welfare of other people. Whether, people, whether they deserve it or not. See, that's, that's, that's what gets us in trouble. Well, they don't deserve us helping them. They don't deserve us doing this. They don't deserve this or that. The way they live their life, the way they're doing that, they don't deserve that. You don't deserve it either. You don't deserve the love of God. But when the love of God has transformed our lives through salvation, then we seek the welfare of others. We seek the betterment of others. We seek the benefit of others. Even when our sin nature continues to cry out, mine, 
me. You know why the little ones do that? It's because they're so immature, right? They haven't learned any better yet. Why does our sin nature cry out sometimes more than it should? Is maybe we're not as mature as we should be. It's a group of guys that I read the Bible uh, with every day. We, we, we're reading through the Bible. We're in the book of Hebrews now. And there's a verse of Hebrew, in Hebrews that we just read this past week that said, it's time for you to go on to maturity. Go on to maturity. Leave the elementary things behind and go on to maturity. And one of the reasons why is for so many of us, our sin nature, and it's a battle for all of us, but for some of us, our sin nature continues to overtake us because we've not gone on to maturity. So the love of God helps us. And the only way that we can... The only way that we can be victorious over that sin nature and over that mind, me mentality is for us to be transformed through being saved. That's the only way. You can't conjure it up. You can't work it up. You can't make it happen on your own. You've got to be transformed by Jesus Christ for Him to save you. Salvation is not just being saved from hell by the love of God. Now that's important. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. Anybody else here glad you're not going to hell? Okay, so that's good. We, we can celebrate that. But that's not, what, that's not all that salvation is all about. That's why I've asked you at the very beginning of this sermon series, are you an expert in Jesus? Are you an expert when it comes to Jesus? Because it's not just, an, it's not just enough to be saved from hell. That's a wonderful thing. But salvation, salvation is being saved by the love of God so that we can uh, show the love of God to others. It's being saved by the love of God to love others with the love of God. That's, that's what salvation is. And it's tr- we're, we're transformed. It's being united with other believers in the love of God so, sh- to, so that we can show that we belong to God through the love of God. It's all about the love of God. That's the only way that this church will be all that God has for us. It's if we love one another and if we are united together in the love of God so that we can turn around and show the love of God to the world. So the application for this message today is that loving like Jesus loves is proof that we are truly following Him. Loving like Jesus loves is proof that we are truly following Him. So what is this love all about? How does this love look? What is if we're supposed to love like that? Jesus said there that by this will all men will know you're my disciples. So what is this all about? There's three things I want to tell you. Number one, it's it's a radical love. It's a radical love. Look back at verse 34, John 13, 34. That first part of that verse says, A new commandment I give to you. A new commandment. I give to you. Now listen, this is not the first time. Jesus didn't say unto these disciples, this is the first time you're ever going to hear about the love of God. <laughs> He's not saying that. I mean, you can go back to the Old Testament, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, in fact, and certainly these guys would know the Ten Commandments. That was their, that was their Bible. Those were their scriptures. The Old Testament was their Bible. So right in the middle of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, God said that he would show, quote, steadfast love 
to thousands of generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So Jesus saying this is a new commandment is not saying this is, he's not saying this is something you've never heard before. Because they'd heard about the love of God. Ten commandments, God said, I'm going to show steadfast love to thousands of generations. In the Levitical law, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, these guys knew this verse. They, this was their scripture. Leviticus 19, 18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but listen, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. They knew that. So Jesus saying a new commandment. No, they, they had heard this before. The psalmist said, they knew, they knew the psalms, they had the psalms. So the psalmist said in Psalm 31, verse 23, Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. So what does it mean when Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment? This new radical commandment isn't new in that they had never heard of this before. It's radical because of the scope and the intensity of the love that they are to show to others. That's why it's a radical commandment. That's why it's a new commandment. Because the scope has changed. The intensity has changed. The scope of this love includes fellow believers. That's us. So it tells us that we are to love one another. Jesus said in John 15, 12, another place where he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. So the scope of this love includes fellow believers. But listen, it also includes people who are outside of us. It it includes people who are in need, people that we need to share the love of God with. You know, in Mark 12, 31, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Told the story of the Good Samaritan. Who is your neighbor? It's somebody who's in need. It's people around you who need the love of Christ. Can I tell you, I missed, I got a confession to make. I missed an opportunity. I was disobedient to the Lord yesterday. I missed an opportunity yesterday that I know I was supposed to take and I missed it. I I, I didn't take it. As I was coming through town yesterday and um, we were headed over to watch a football team that should have kicked a couple of field goals uh, yesterday. I, I watched, going to a friend's house to watch that football game. As I came through town, there was a man sitting on the curb right here before I got to town, before I got to uh, downtown, sitting on the curb right there at the almost at the intersection, sitting, sitting there on the curb, had an old ratty bicycle and had some of his belongings wrapped up in in a bag or something, I don't know. And I, as I drove by, I turned and looked at him, and that's all I did. And I kept on driving. And God said, go back, and I kept driving. God said, go back, and I kept driving. I was like one of the, I was like the priest. I was like the Levite that Jesus talked about in the parable of the Good Samaritan. I looked and went, Glad I'm not him. He's in trouble. I kept on going. I had my grand. Come on, come on, God. I got my granddaughters with me. Got to get to the friend's house. Got to go watch the football game. God, come on. This isn't the time. This, this isn't the time for this. I missed it. Your pastor missed it yesterday. Because when Jesus said a new commandment, I give you. 
And you say, look, yeah, love those people that you preach to every Sunday, John. You know, they look at them. Look at them. Look at them, John. Look how, look how good they look this morning. Look, look at all of them, man. They, they look good. They're, most of them are smiling. Most of them are awake. I mean, look. They're, they're, they, 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 look, they smell good. They, they're, they're happy. And... But he said, also love the guy that's sitting on the curb. And you missed that yesterday, John. The scope includes us. It includes those who are in need. It also, the scope, that's why Jesus said this is a new commandment because the scope also includes our enemies. Matthew 5, 44, you know what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Love those who are persecuting believers all over the world. Love those guys that have taken, taken Christians hostage in Haiti. Love them. Love those enemies. Love those enemies. Love your enemies. That's, that's the scope. That's why Jesus said this is a radical new commandment. And the intensity means that we love those outside of our close circles. It means that we're, we're the intensity means that we love people so much. We love so much that Jesus said in John 15, 13, that we are willing to lay down our lives for our friends. That's why it's radical. This love is new. We've heard it over and over and over again. That's why so many times it's, it's tough to hear a sermon like this and connect with this because I've heard this before and yet this is a new commandment. It's a radical love. It's different. It's even controversial because this love pushes us outside our comfort zones. This love inconveniences us. This love breaks down barriers, whatever barriers we've erected. This love breaks them down. It moves the focus off of ourselves and on to others and it's radical it's a radical love and Jesus said it's a new commandment it's radical it's a real love it's not just a radical love it's a real love he said there the second part of verse 34 is where he said that this is a new commandment I give to you uh, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another that's real love. That's real love. Jesus said, as I have loved you, you love one another. And he had just finished washing his disciples' feet. As I have loved you, as I have shown you my love, you've watched me. If you think about where we are, y'all, we're right, we're right up next to the cross here. So Jesus is saying to these guys, look, you have watched me love people. You have watched me touch unclean people. You have watched me feed people. You have watched me heal people. You have watched me tell people about the kingdom of God. You have watched me and heard me preach the good news. So as I have loved you and I've called you and I've met your needs and I've taken care of you, now you love one another. That's real love. That's real love. Jesus, First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1 says that the love of God has been lavished on us. How great is the love of God that has been lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So, so God has lavished His love on us and He calls us to lavish that love on each other. Man, this is real love. This isn't some sappy emotion that we work up and try to pretend like we love this is real love it's real because it comes from Christ to others it's not an emotion we're not talking about an emotion here we're talking about the fruit of our relationship with Jesus 
Think about what Paul said in the book of Galatians. He said the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one in that list? Is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's real. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, says the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. His love is our motivation for loving and serving others. Y'all, this is real. This is the real Savior. This is the real Savior of the world pouring out His real love into our lives, which motivates us to love others in a real way. It's real love. Back in September of 1973, I'm not going to go back to another number one hit, but let me tell you what happened. There's a a day in September 1973, there's a young 18-year-old man, young man named Arthur Hinckley. And Arthur Hinckley saw a friend of his who was trapped beneath a 3,000-pound tractor that had turned over and pinned his friend beneath that tractor. And Arthur Hinckley, 18-year-old man, 200 pounds, ran over and picked the tractor up enough for his friend to get out from under and save this guy's life. I pick one guy picking up, lifting a 3,000-pound tractor enough for the guy to get out from under the weight of that tractor. Now, look, I'm not telling you that we're going to have superhuman physical strength. <laughs> If we love, if we have this real love, but what I am telling you is that the real love of Christ motivates us to run to others, to help them in their time of desperation when they are trapped, not beneath a tractor, but even worse, they're trapped beneath the load of sin or beneath the load of life that has come crashing down on them. And that's some of y'all here today. Some of y'all here today. Life is piled in on top of you. You need somebody, a brother or sister in Christ, to come along and be an Arthur Hinckley for you and to pick that up a little bit. Help bear that burden with you. That's real love. That's what we do. It's what we do. It's radical and it's real. And finally, it's a revealing love. It's a revealing love. Verse 35 there, that verse that maybe you already have heard this verse. By this, all people, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another reveals to the world that we belong to Jesus. Man, the world world does not know that we are Jesus' disciples just because we got nice buildings to meet in on Sunday. They don't care about that. The world doesn't care that we're sitting in here today. In this nice building or this, you know, this, this majestic building that's been here since 1910. The world doesn't care about that. We do, and we get all worked up about it, but the world doesn't care. The people out there do not care about our nice buildings. They don't care about the fact that we go to church on Sundays and a few of us go to church on Wednesdays. They don't, they don't care about that. They don't care, care that we carry big study Bibles around with us and, the, and, and or, or that we go to uh, FCA at, at school and stuff. They don't care about that. 
The world does not know that we are his disciples because we're members of First Baptist Church Flora or because we're a deacon or because we sing in the choir or because we, sing, or because we lead a life group or play in the praise band or anything like that. The world, doesn't, the world doesn't know that we're his disciples because of those things. The world, Jesus says, the thing that will reveal to the world that we are his disciples is if we have love for one another. That's it. Now all that other stuff is good. We need a building. Look at this. Look at this at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. We can't get a few, very many more people in here. So, yeah, we need a building. We need stuff like that. We need programs. I hope you got a good study Bible, all that kind of stuff. But the world, the people that need Jesus, the way that the way will, they will know that we belong to Jesus is if we have love for one another, a real love for one another, a radical love for one another and for them. That's how we will reveal to the world that we belong to Jesus. So it's a radical love. It means that we love each other. We love those who are in need outside of this fellowship and those who are in need in this fellowship. Listen, I know some folks that are in need in this fellowship right now, in this body of believers. we got some folks in this body of believers right now that are in big need of us coming alongside them and helping them in some real tangible ways. So in here and out there, and even those who are our enemies, that's a radical love. And it's a real love. It's real love. It's not sappy emotional stuff. It's real love. And when we do that, we reveal to the world that we belong to Jesus. So, questions to conclude. How can you live this love out this week in a tangible way? Who is somebody right now, somebody in your mind right now, somebody that you know right now that the Holy Spirit is saying, here's the person that you can show that love to. Who's the Holy Spirit revealing to you right now? Somebody maybe in this church family or somebody that you work with or somebody else. I wish I could find the guy that was sitting on the curb yesterday. I mean, who is that person that you can go show that love to? Who, who needs to experience, and experience, to see and experience the love of Christ from you this week to them? How are you going to live this out? It's not just enough for us to come in on Sunday morning and hear about the love of God and agree that the love of God is wonderful. Praise the Lord. I love the Lord and I love Him. I'm thankful He loves me. But how do we live it out? We walk out these doors. How are you going to live this love out and let the world know that you belong to Jesus. That's where, that's where it gets real. As a friend of mine used to say, that's where you drive it down to shoe leather. That's where you start walking it out. How are you going to walk it out this week? Let's pray together. Father, would you help us now? So we take these moments of invitation to think about what you've got for us, Lord, and think about how we can do this, Lord, how we can live this out, how we can drive this down to shoe leather and make it happen this week in our lives and through our lives to people that need to experience. God, I'm sorry. I confess, Lord, that I missed that yesterday. Lord, I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me, God. I'm sorry that I missed that yesterday, Lord. But help us, God, this week to be looking for those opportunities to show the love of God to those who need it so desperately. And even now, this morning, in this invitation, help us to respond in obedience to your love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.